everyone and welcome back to the Met Blue podcast, the podcast which takes a look into the world that is the music industry. Be it as an artist, producer, manager or fan, we'll take a look into the changing world through interviews with some of the best talents it has to offer. Today, we'll be getting to know John Dunn of Parallel Lines Promotions, who he is and what music means to him. Hello John, would you like to tell me a little bit about yourself? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um... My name is John Dunn and I'm quite old and I started doing gigs in uh, 1990 and uh, spent that decade kind of doing things like uh, Oasis and Blur and Pulp and Radiohead and Muse and all those bands in kind of 100, 200 capacity rooms um, in the south of England and then in the early, in the early zeros. I went to Live Nation, which was called Clear Channel, and started a festival there called Latitude, and and also booked things like the Big Chill and Electric Picnic in Ireland, big festivals, and then also was very much a promoter there, where I brought bands to London for their first shows, like Arcade Fire, The National, Saint Vincent, MIA, people like that, and I went on to kind of continue to, to promote them. And then in 2012, I left Live Nation and started an independent company with my wife called Power Alliance. And many of the acts that I did at Live Nation came with me, Arcade Fire and The National. And then on top of that, we just started picking up loads of acts that we loved. So strictly speaking, I'm a promoter who um, makes their money by trying to sell enough tickets or loses money by not selling enough tickets. AKA, you're also one of the coolest people in music. I don't know about that. You can't be, you can't call it the old. It doesn't work. There's like a disparity there. So why music? Why did you choose to go into music? What was, was it your calling in life or was it just something you kind of fell into? I think, uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a long time ago now, but uh, I think like everyone kind of, I was in a band and um, I wasn't very good. I'm pretty hopeless. And, and I was quite shy, you know, 16, 17 and, and really couldn't face the audience. Not that we had huge audiences end to face, but like I couldn't really face an audience. And and I realized that it would be like in a small town I was in Chelmsford, actually there was all these bands and actually there was no one really putting on bands from out of the local area. And I realized that my for my ego at that point, it was like, well, I don't need to be in a band. If I put the shows on, I get to know everybody. Everyone's my friend. I get free drinks. I might make some money and I meet loads of people. And so it was purely, and I had no other, I wasn't going to be a footballer, unfortunately. So I had nothing else I could do. And so like everyone, I think, for a lot of people in our industry, it's slightly changed now because there's, there's things that you can do to kind of learn about the industry. But I just kind of fell into it. And then I got to like, 2021 and it was been doing it three or four years and it was wow this is this might become a job and and in many ways even even like you know 30 years later it's almost like it might become a job I'm still thinking it might become a job and of course there's it never it's it's (laughs) job but it's your hobby so it never really feels like a job job but also it's hard sometimes to think of it as a career because if you're brought up to be thinking that you have a career as in what a career you used to be or should be, this doesn't really kind of fall into that, that pattern. So I fell into it. I completely fell into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, years ago when I was, you know, I'm only 20. So years ago when I was at um, sixth form, I was thinking I was going to be an acoustic engineer. I had um, an internship at a company. I was looking at going to uni to do that. Um, but all my friends were in the music. So I really got into it a lot more. Um, and my friends were like, 
well my my family were like oh you know you should go to you should go to uni and do engineering it's a much more stable income it's a much more stable job but I think yeah like you said industries have changed so much now and the work like what the idea of a career has changed so much now that you know you can make anything a career it doesn't have to be a career it can just be your hobby yeah yeah completely and uh that's like a really good thing that's changed because that just wasn't available it was you know for years and years my parents were like when are you going to get a proper job and it wasn't until really kind of that I had some income and and maybe that I'd kind of been semi-successful in an area that they kind of realized that maybe this was a proper kind of job but that you have that outside pressure was whereas like the last few years there's been lots of kind of colleges started for music industry and to learn the industry we never kind of really had that we kind of learned by default and but I think it's amazing that you can actually now go this is what I want to go and do and I can go and learn from other people that's that's brilliant I think yeah for sure and also I think one of the brilliant things because of COVID, COVID's really brought people together because everyone has like five minutes of their time to sort of give you a phone call while they're making a cup of tea, you know, during their day at home. So, you know, like if COVID hadn't happened, we probably wouldn't have met, probably wouldn't be doing this podcast, you know. It's um, it's quite mad that, you know, COVID's been such an unfortunate thing to happen, but has created so many opportunities for the industry. Definitely. It's, it's like a it's a pause thing and you know for the artists when we go back there'll be the street you know streaming's just become such a bigger thing and you know there'll be a time when we we go on sale with a gig and when that sells out we'll have the streaming ticket and so you know if you live outside London and you can't get to a show locally but you can see that band on stage at a London show for like half the price then I think that's that's from the artist's point of view I think that's been the biggest development I think for the industry, it's a bit of a stop and pause that we're kind of, I'm like, um, you know, people will work crazy, crazy hours in this industry. And it's really tough. The pressure is to kind of keep up with socials and with email and everything's last minute. And I think that with COVID, it's been a bit of a pause and people will reflect on how much work they're doing and why they're doing it. And to go deeper into the reasons why they do stuff as well. I hope anyway, I hope it's, I feel like it's been a pause. A lot of people I spoke to have felt that kind of maybe their lives were running away with them by just doing you know, 80, 100 hours of work, a week work uh, in, within the industry. And this has been a moment they can spend with their partners, families or other things in their life that have developed and, and maybe they won't go back to that kind of crazy, crazy kind of business. It needs to be crazy, the business, but it, I think it's got too crazy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that's definitely something I've found with COVID is that building boundaries, you know, having that work home, work chill, split and divide, you know, although this is like a big hobby for everyone. And it's like, you know, everyone goes into this thinking, I just want to be a hobby. And then they end up with it as a job. And, you know, you don't know where to draw the line. And I feel like COVID has definitely been one of those things that's allowed people to sort of see that they need a break that they need to take time off they need time with their family it's not you know they can't be doing you know 12 hours a day every single day plus you know yeah absolutely no 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 you're so right it's kind of um that's and that's one of the problems with this industry is because it is a hobby it's because it's a passion and it's a hobby you know people kind of just keep going with keep going with the workloads it's not like um, other industries you can kind of the the other thing around this industry for, for for live industry point of view 
it runs all day and night because it's not like a job where you leave at five o'clock because you know we're busy during the day kind of looking at new acts talking to agents doing deals getting available venues doing venue deals looking at marketing plans on sale ticket figures all this production stuff and then you get to five six o'clock and in a lot of jobs that would finish but now you have to go to a gig and now you have a gig you know to go to which is great that's why we do it but then essentially that you know by the time you've kind of maybe loaded out with that band at 11 o'clock or had a drink afterwards or whatever and then traveled back home it's midnight 1am again and then you know it's it's a it's a long long day and I think this industry lends itself to people working around the clock which is what it has to be but also it's quite extreme how far it's got I think yeah when I was in when I was in sixth form I was in a band and I was doing um work with other artists and while we're trying to do exams which evidently my my results weren't that great um so I'd do a full day at sixth form and then I'd go off and do a gig wouldn't be back till like 2 a.m then I'd get up at six again to like get revision in go to go to sixth form and I'd do it again and again I'd have work on the weekends and I look back and I just think how did I have the stamina to keep going I I don't think I could go back to that now (laughs) yeah yeah no, I definitely, I, I hear you. I think that's, I think the reason we do it is because one kind of essentially you separate the feeling that they is work because it is kind of fun. And two, there's a lot of kind of pressure on you to kind of be good. And, 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 and what that means in a lot of cases is replying to everything and getting everything done. And, and there's just such a demand around that, that it's just, um, it's exhausting. You, know, you can be good by not doing so much and, and just doing the things you do better yeah for sure so you are the main man of parallel lines so how did parallel lines happen uh, uh i met my wife Christine, and um, um at my last company which is festival republic which did red in leeds latitude and uh i was just feeling that i wanted to leave the corporate sector and just do something independent and uh, so the idea was just to start a very small company and just really just do things that we really really love put on shows brand them really well, not be over the top with kind of a lot of the wording around stuff, try and make it feel very natural and um, work with artists that we kind of really, kind of really believed in. And with the, with almost with the feeling that it's not important that they're big, it's, it's not, that's not the first thing that comes into our head. It's like, it's great if they get big because that helps us with money, but it's, it was more around aesthetically being really good and, and having a lot of artists which are really, really credible. And so some of the first things we picked up were things like Fat White Family and Jungle and Glass Animals and things like that, um, which have all gone on to develop quite well. And, 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 you know, we kept a lot of things like Sharon Van Nett and St. Vincent and people like that as well. So it has a nice, has a nice kind of feel around it and new things coming through like Shy Girl and Caroline Polachek and Kelly Lee Owens and so it kind of tiptoes into electronica a bit of pop Rina Soriemo's just doing incredible business at the moment but yeah it's that's how we came into it was we would just be independent and uh, our kind of mission statement was just to really try not to do too much but just really kind of enjoy it enjoy what we're doing and work with things that we love and things that are credible and are going to be around for a long long time you know acts like glass animals you know who who knows how big that band will eventually get and they've just developed so so brilliantly you know glass animals are one of my favorite bands at the moment i literally love them so so much and jungle i've been watching jungle since i was 14 i went and saw one of their gigs at the bick in bournemouth and wow. it makes me so happy that they've just brought out another album well they've bringing out a new album i'm so excited um but yeah they're like two of my favorite acts and it's mad that you just you know, you 
put your faith in people and it's just see where they go and it's it's brilliant to hear your aspect on you know you yeah. just need to have faith and trust yeah i mean absolutely i mean both glass animals came about because their manager came to me and said that that she'd came across this like really interesting guy from oxford called dave and uh I really hadn't heard the music. I put my faith in her because she's she was a brilliant A and R person, and so it developed from there. And, but it's been very slow and very natural with Glass Animals, and I love the way that it's kind of they've kind of morphed musically along. And Jungle was a little bit different. It was almost like from the very off that band was. Even though we started in small venues, they were like, "This is going to be big." We've never done a show where we haven't sold out, and we've got three Brixton Academies on sale at the moment, which are, we've done 10,000 tickets in like the first wow. week. It's like they were a slightly different proposition because they've just got big so quickly. But, but I mean, the, the guys are just in, they're incredibly talented, and they just have so much ambition in, with what they want to do musically. And so that's what we buy into. We buy into people almost. Yeah. Sometimes we even hear the music we buy into. Shy Girl was a bit like that. I loved the first track from Shy Girl, but... I buy into her. I met her and it was just like, oh my God, this girl's going to be a superstar. You know, it's like, so you buy into them and then the music kind of catches up sometimes. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, you clearly know what you're doing because you have supported some brilliant acts and putting your faith in the right people, let alone the talent, has really paid off. Um, so outside of Parallel Lines, what else do you do? What Do you have any random hobbies like unicycling yeah. or anything random like that? <laughs> I think, I, I guess what I should say also, like for every jungle and glass animals, there's a lot of acts that we haven't made for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true. It's, it's kind of, a, you know, we always talk about things that have worked, but it's been a lot of that hasn't worked. But but, it, but there's been also acts that haven't got big, which we would say has actually worked for us because it wasn't really about being big. You know, that's sometimes everything is about being big. And we have acts that are musically really really left field and they're never going to be big acts. Hannah Peel, Hannah Peel was an amazing composer and she's getting bigger now, but she's obviously she's never going to fill stadiums, but what she's doing is incredible. And it's like, yeah. it's, so it's proper art. So sometimes it's not, we don't measure things with how big they are, but just by being, working with these incredible musicians. I mean, outside of here, outside of COVID, it's kind of given me kind of time to kind of, enjoy all the other things that I love which is film I used to you know I went to film school for a little bit yeah and uh, I was rubbish at that but um kind of just watching films and uh reading running mountain biking here in Barcelona just yeah just the Covid's given us time to kind of do other things really yeah yeah, yeah. I mean I've been discussing a lot with um, my boyfriend because he's really into film and he studies illustration and he makes his own films and we've just been discussing that you know, although when you go into the industry, you're like, oh, I'd really love to do this big thing and I'd love to go to this and I'd love to work for Universal or I'd love to work for, you know, Pinewood. And then it's like recently I've kind of got to a point where I'm like, actually, I feel like I kind of just want to seclude myself in Cornwall and have a music venue and play with good bands and stuff, you know, and just get to meet people rather than aiming for the popularity and, you know, the be being big, quote unquote. Yeah. Definitely. Have you seen, have you been watching anything recently that you love? Any films that you've seen? In terms of films, um, Moonrise, King Moonrise Kingdom's good. Anything Wes Anderson's good. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a new yeah. Wes Anderson film, actually, isn't there? Isn't there a new one? I'm sure there's a new Wes Anderson film about to drop. Maybe it's next year. I'll have to ask. I'm not the Wes Anderson expert in this house. <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm trying to think of anything brilliant that we've watched. Anything brilliant we've watched, dear? Not recently? No? Oh, 
Never mind. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything we've watched, but no, I'm clearly letting myself down here. Um, is there anything you watched? Anything you've loved? Uh, I'm watching this thing called The Leftovers, which is this the whole leftovers. thing on Amazon Prime, mm. which is kind of bizarre. But it's, a bit like, it's a bit like Handmaid's Tale, which has been, which is really great. And yeah. uh, watching things like The Serpent and stuff like that on BBC. That's, yeah, like, that's very good. Have you watched Your Honor yet? No, I haven't, no. No, that's very good your honor it's on sky yeah. arts i believe but that's very good that's very you have to power through the first 20 minutes and then you can't not watch it <laughs> that's brilliant nice. um I'm trying to think of anything else um i'm excited to see what tarantino comes out with next obviously um because yeah. he's on to his like final films but yeah oh i watched jojo rabbit for the first time about a month ago and i couldn't yeah. believe i hadn't watched it beforehand <laughs> i haven't seen that like got so many grammys as well didn't they Got, yeah, just it's, it's, yeah, it's uh, mad. Loads of films, just kind of just like doing lots of the old films as well, and just revisiting mm-hmm. them again. It's just really nice. I have a projector here, and I can put it on a wall, and it's just like suddenly it feels like I'm at the cinema again. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like I feel like home projectors are becoming like bigger and bigger as people can't go to the cinema. Yeah, my, mine's mine's big. I can't watch the football on it because when I watch the football, I literally have to keep moving my head from side to side when it's ball goes from <laughs> one end to the other. <laughs> It's just too big. You almost have to walk along. But it's like the real. Along the time. It's like being the. Re- it's like the real thing in the stadium, though. You'd have to <laughs> twist your head loads. Yeah, exactly. It's like watching <laughs> tennis, where he just kind of heads going from side to side. Yeah, it's a bit exhausting. I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I played a match. Yeah, so I don't watch it on the project. But yeah, always <laughs> so, giving us time to do things. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, muscling up those neck muscles while uh, watching that. <laughs> so, um, what inspires you the most? What what has influenced you over like recent years to keep going with your work? Um, yeah, some, yeah, it's a really good question because like sometimes, sometimes I, like because I've been around quite a long time doing the same job. Sometimes you do feel you are in a bit of a hamster wheel, and you're just kind of literally a new band comes along. Say being say a new guitar band comes along, and it may be really new for this generation, but you can almost go like, oh my god, they're just like they're just like the Strokes, or they're just like. You can literally go back every generation and go, oh, they're just like the Arctic Monkeys, and then before that, oh, they're like Joy Division, because they've been around for so long, I've seen a lot of the same kind of acts come along. So sometimes it, you, you, it's hard to know what you're inspired, inspired by, because it can feel quite similar, although every single act has a little slightly something different. You know, you can mirror them against these other acts, but there's still something slightly different. I think what inspires me is, is still finding new, new acts, Music, of course, is like, especially at this time and not having shows, you realise how much you really, you really is part of your life and you've missed it. But I think also like I'm kind of inspired, but inspired stroke, intrigued by kind of lots of new kind of acts developing and 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 the way like, especially in electronica and, and, and kind of in that world as to kind of the way a lot of acts are kind of moving on and the sounds are changing slightly and, you know, some of the more minimal, minimalist and some of the ambience as well and some of some of the new new artists. So it's like, there's almost something interesting that comes along. And I think that's what inspires me. And also there's been kind of changes in the industry, which is inspiring. When I came into the industry, it was obviously, I mean, there was, I'm, again so old there was no kind of phones even and everything was done by fax you know you used to get a fax doing it you couldn't you know you, if a band didn't turn up if a band didn't turn up for four o'clock you'd be just waiting outside thinking where are they you, you know you didn't yeah. have a phone to call they couldn't tell you they were in traffic and you just didn't know whether they were coming or not you know mm-hmm. there was all these old so but I, i'm inspired about the, the way the industry is changing and how you know things are a little bit more transparent with the artists and uh 
that we're more open to so much so much more um now and i, I think it's i think that's an inspiring time the change is the is the inspiring thing the changes yeah for sure so Speaking of change, how do you think, you know, not only the music industry, but also the film industry as an avid film expert. So as recent events have unfolded with, you know, gender equality and BLM, how do you think these creative industries are going to change and sort of pursue, you know, having equality throughout them? Do you think there's going to be any dramatic change or do you think it's still going to continue to be quite gradual? I mean, a couple of things. I think there has to be change, of course. I think it's people, I think it's important that people are op- open to change. They have to be. I mean, it's the, the events of the last year and the fact there's been a pandemic has put the spotlight on, on many agendas and rightly so. And But the pandemic has helped that, which is great from that perspective. I think people have to, people will change and they have to change. I think um, the older generation need to look to the younger generation to, to understand and to kind of learn learn from them you know it's kind of it's 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 quite easy to blame older generations in terms of like this person's uh, maybe racist or homophobic and, and and you know it's it's of course that's that's completely wrong but it's also up to it's up to the older the older people to educate themselves and to learn around this and also for the young people to to advise and and help on this you know and it's kind of it's a changing of the changing of the guard almost you know that it's it's the next generation are going to shape the industry and thankfully they're much more much more open and educated more so towards what needs to be done and so so you know it's it's again it's it's an exciting period that that change is going mm-hmm. to happen and 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 seeing it with a number of our artists that we represent and changing gender etc and i think it's just it's really it's you know you ha- we all have to be really open to change and we all have to make sure it happens and uh i i feel i feel optim- optimistic um around it because i feel that this this period may see a more um, even a more so of a change of the guard because I think more people will come into the industry post pandemic and uh, and I think that we'll have a kind of more of a, a drive towards making things work. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Just be just before COVID happened, I was lucky enough to go do some. Um, onset sound and foley work for um, ITV's The Sister, um, and it's interesting when you're on a film set, and equally with being in a recording studio with artists or being at events, um, there is this sort of unity and teamwork where everyone's at a complete equal level. Obviously, you'll have you know you have a manager and you'll have people who are just runners, and you know everyone's at different levels, but there's this sort of complete unity of teamwork, and I feel. As time develops, there's going to be more of that and better. You know, it will just improve more. There will be more unity and more equality and there won't be any of this, I'm superior to you because I'm X, Y, Z and I am do this, that and the other. I think there is going to be a lot more, you know, like you said, as as sort of more people enter the industry and more people have those like career shifts and job shifts and hobbies that change. I feel like there is going to be a lot more appreciation for you know whoever enters the industry at whatever level. I think I, I, I mean I haven't worked in film or fashion, but I, I would imagine those industries aren't so different from the music industry in terms mm-hmm. of like you work all the time. You know, there's massive inequality there, I'm sure, and 
uh, around hours and money and race and and I just I, I I'm sure that it's the same as the music industry these these industries tend to lend themselves to this whether they're a, a bigger picture of what's happening elsewhere it's probably true too but I, I think as I say I think it's um it's it's really important that older people are open to change and to and to not kind of be in a situation that you know i know everything and you know what are you you know you're 20 years old what are you going to teach me and it's like well those people who 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 think like that are going to be they're going to be the people that hopefully will fade out of the industry with any of their um with any of their viewpoints and i think it's it's really important that kind of um, older people take on board uh, a lot of what is happening and and how young people can educate older people in that way and vice versa older people can then educate younger people around the industry and and things to kind of look out for and do i think that the other thing around this industry is actually there are there are rules but there are no rules you know it's kind of yeah. there are rules to do things but it's so interchanging you can you can make your own rules up it's like it's it's music it's like you can do you can in artists and people can come into the industry and have overnight success by doing something different so it's it's just it's just a learning between between everyone i think yeah, and for an sure. openness. yeah definitely i think i think there's a lot less um tolerance i feel like a lot of people are more willing to call people out on you know if someone says something wrong you'll say well i don't completely agree with that you know i feel like people are becoming a lot more self-assured with their opinions and how they work things and they're more willing to teach rather than just be stuck um, in what they think. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel like we are heading towards, you know, it's going to take time, you know, things are going to be gradual, but I feel like, you know, COVID is definitely given an opportunity for people to listen. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. So moving on to the next question, which is a bit off topic, but what is the best advice you've ever been given? Jesus, probably not, probably not worth <laughs> Not working music. Um, going, going, get yourself a proper job. What do you think you're doing? This isn't. I don't know. I, I, the the thing I always always point to is when I first started trying to get um, trying to become a promoter. You know, a big word, silly silly kind of word, really. But and when I tried to, I, I there was this. There was no email, of course, and there was just an industry book, and I literally out of that book I wrote to about 200 companies you know handheld letters saying please give me a job how can I learn how can I do this job and literally I put stamps to envelopes in which means people could send their replies back and I got about four replies back and one of those replies was from um, a guy called Melvin Ben in London who now that's read in Leeds and he said come up to the office in London so I went up to the office in London and I was on the train from Chelmsford to London it's half an hour on the train and I got to Covent Garden and I was like I'm, I'm gonna get a job I'm gonna get a job and I walked into the office and uh, if I remember rightly he didn't seem to have too much time for me but he kind of looked at the letter and he's what you need to do is just to go and do it and I was like what and he said you just need to go and do it and I kind of went okay and I, I would have been about 17 and I kind of left the office and returned got back on the train back to Chelmsford feeling quite really disheartened that like I hadn't got a job there was no job um and at the time I thought what does all that mean but actually it was the best advice I ever had because I'd kind of just been sitting on the fence for a little while thinking 
oh, I can do this and you do this and you do that. And, and it really was the best advice in that if you do have something you want to do, just go and make it happen. It was yeah. like, you can sit and plan for ages. It's like, if you're kind of want to make a film, but you know, the first thing you'd actually do is actually you probably have to go and write a script. Well then just go and start on your script. And it's so easy for people to procrastinate about doing stuff. It's like, I want to learn guitar, but I can't, I don't, I don't really want to do it today, but I still want to be a, guitar, a musician. It's like, well, if you want to really do it, you have to just go and do it. And, mm -hmm. have, and it, it made me just literally go on, go and put a show on. And obviously I would have lost loads of money and I would have, there would have been a load of things I got wrong. But actually it was the best, it was the best advice I ever had. It was literally just go and do it. I think other advice moving forward was, was and there's been times when I haven't been courteous up to people. I've probably been rude and abrupt and short-tempered and and kind of not given people proper replies. But the thing I really believe in is to try and reply to everyone. And and I think because you'll meet a lot of people who maybe aren't today um, powerful for what of a better word, but like maybe tomorrow that person is someone who you may really really want to know and you didn't reply to them. And it's, I, I, and it's courteous. I tried to reply to everyone, even though some days it's just like it's just too difficult. I think if you if you if you're, you know, honest and you're courteous and you try to get back to people, it's always remembered. And we've definitely got to situations where people have said, "Oh yeah, I remember you from this, and I remember you from that. We'd like to work with you," just because you kind of brand, you are your own brand, and so whatever you do is kind of reflected. So that that would be my advice really just go and do it but also to kind of like just communicate with everyone and communicate right to people back reply to people yeah for sure that's definitely something while I'm studying music business which we've kind of having drilled into us is just to if you want to be a manager just go be a manager find someone and manage them if you want to do this go do it you know it's a bit different with the events sector you know if you want to be if you want to do events you can't go and do such live events but you can do live streaming so there's always a way around it you just got to not procrastinate like you said yeah, and it's, it's, it's kind of it's easy to say just i'll go and do it because like you may not have finance or or the know-how and stuff but you can still go and do something which will get you to get get you to that stage and mm -hmm. you learn just so much by like doing something and it could be you know i've had so many disasters where i've oversold gigs there's too many people in a room i can't get anyone else in the room they bought a ticket and they can't even see the stage I've had, you know, stages collapse. I've had PAs that don't work. I've had bands not turn up. I've had security fights. You know, I've had, I've kind of seen everything. And, and, and but it's like from those things, it's how you learn. And, mm -hmm. and so the only way in it is actually it's just to go and do stuff. And, you know, like look, the way I learned promoting was by losing loads of money. But then to counteract that, I went to, I was cleaning schools in the morning to get the money to pay the bands from the night before. So even though I lost a lot of money by learning on the job, I made a way to kind of make that money somehow. And you just, you just, you know, keep moving forward, really, I think. I think that's yeah. the, the goal. You have to proactively invest and participate in your future. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Like you just have to, you know, think, okay, so this is what I want to do. So what do I need to do to get there? Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind of like if you're a manager and you pick up, an act and some you know it's, sometimes of course it's not your first act it's not your second act it's not your third act you may be doing it a couple of years but suddenly 
your fourth act goes huge. Or it could be the other way around and you, your, your first act is just you, you, the first act's huge and your next five acts don't do anything, but you learn so much on the first act and it may be like holding on to their coattail, they get, they're getting big so quickly and you have to keep up the pace of learning. There's nothing better than that. You learn so much so quickly. But, if you, but you, without picking someone up and managing them, how do, you, how do you get to that point? You know, you just have to go and do it, really. Yeah, exactly. So onto an even less relevant question. What's an useless skill you have? Do you have a fun party trick that you go to every party or every after party and you show off? Yeah, I can, like, break dance a little bit. Because, <laughs> like, obviously, again, again, being old, it's like I grew up at a time when, like, people, like, break dance. And so I can actually break dance a little bit. But, and occasionally it comes out. Although the last time I did it, it was, I did it at Sonar a couple of years ago in Barcelona, about four in the morning. And I did a head, did a, like, a headstand and a kind of, it's a concrete, it's a concrete floor Sonar, you know, in a big warehouse. And, uh, and I remember I came down really hard on my head, but I kind of was kind of semi-embarrassed, but also I managed to like kind of deflect from letting anyone know that it really did hurt my head. But in my, in my head, I know it hurt and I probably won't ever do that again. But um, I kept it well hidden. But obviously it looked very foolish, an old man trying to break dance at Sonar Festival. So it's not really a really kind of, party trick that I kind of pull out very often I can do this weird thing in my thumbs and you viewers can't see it but I can do like a weird thing in my thumbs which is That's... I think other people can do it they just they, they just don't know they can do it it's a bit kind of it's a bit star tracky but anyway but other than that I don't have any other skills at all I love that I'm definitely inviting you to the parties now to come down and break dance <laughs> I'm quite excited. I've got an agent now <laughs> I have to phone them up and be like, can, can, I, can I just book John to come and do some breakdancing? Thanks. <laughs> it's numbers now, and because of the COVID, I haven't been able to work, so it's now seven figures. Oof. It's going up rapidly. And now with this programme, obviously, it's going to go up even more. It's an eight-figure. Ah, uh, be so worth it, though. <laughs> so in the last week, what's the most listened to track or album you've been having on play on repeat? God, yeah. I'm, list- I'm listening to the Serpent With Feet album quite a lot, which is an act that we do, and he's just really breaking through and just incredible. And uh, I listen to this band Jockstrap, which I listen to quite often. They're on the, um, Warp Records. I listen to this girl, new girl called Maria Somerville, which I really, really like as well. And then this, oh, the, this guy from Ireland, for those I love, this, the, the guy from Ireland, this new thing, which is just incredible which i'm sure is just going to be so musically it's incredible and i think it would just be massive they're called for the yeah. for those i loved so it's always 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 new things and, and then at the same time just trying to find time to play old stuff as well because sometimes yeah. in this industry we're always built forward and we just keep hearing new 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 and we don't get time to actually go back and like oh i want to play that record because it's just so good so sometimes like old things you know like i've just been playing I've been playing lots of Lana Del Rey and like Fontaines and yes. and kind of, you know, like older things and even older things like Cocktail Twins and the Smiths and stuff like that, just just mixing it up a little bit. But the new thing, Serpent with Fee, for those I love, and Maria Somerville and Jockstrap as well. I love Jockstrap. I will be going away and listening to them straight after we what finish here. Um, well, apart, fr- well, apart, apart from a... Uh, Jungles Keep Moving track. Um, I've actually been listening to the White Stripes quite a bit. Yeah, it's really cool. I've actually been listening to the White Stripes quite a bit. Ah, nice. A classic. And Nick Cave. (laughs) Funny thing on Nick Cave, like 
So White Stripes, there's this thing online, you can watch um, the White Stripes from Jules Holland yeah. back in about 2006 on YouTube. And it's incredible. Can you realize how young they are? And just the two yeah. of them slugging it out. It's incredible. <laughs> but last night I went over to watch the Nick Cave film, 20,000 Days. Mm. So I watched it here. And uh, it's a strange story, but we went, uh, it's a 10 o'clock curfew in Spain. So you can't leave, you have to okay. be home by 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And the film ran on a bit longer than we than we thought. And um, so when they tried to leave the house at quarter past 10, um, the police were outside our block of flats and they wouldn't let them leave the flats. So they all, they all had to stay here at mine last night because of Nick Cave. But the film uh, was incredible. That's good. And I, and I bought the album, which is the album from um, um, Alexander Palace, which is like yeah. so good as well. Nice. I, I can't wait for shops to reopen just to go down to like our record store, which is called The Vinyl Van, and just go buy new albums because records are timeless and I don't think people give them enough credit. There's like such a huge comeback with vinyl and I think, mm. I, think there's a big, I think there's a bigger feeling around that. I think obviously a lot of people buying vinyl are older people who've, who've bought vinyl over the years and they love collect- they, they're collectors. They're kind of you call them nerds, I guess. Like I would say I'm a nerd. <laughs> I love the vinyl, but, but I think also there's just a new breed, breed of people that want to hold hold something. They want to open, mm. they want to look at, open the cover, pull the record out, put it on, put the needle on, and you get the fsh just before the track comes in. There's like a real authenticity in actually owning the record and having it rather mm. than just having it in a digital fashion. I, yeah. I, I love the fact that vinyl, vinyl was made, made a comeback. It just feels like it just feels so much more special to kind of hold the record and put it on. But it, I like, again, it's yeah, I like that um, tapes are coming back as well, because I think I think tapes are hilarious because they're absolutely brilliant up until the point where they all go completely wrong and all the tape just comes out of the cassette and you're you're wishing you never bought a tape. You wish you bought a record. <laughs> exactly. Like, God, tapes. Yeah. So weird, but like so cool just to have like tape in the pocket. Just to kind yeah. of and then, and then, like uh People would it would it used to be demos were all on tapes and so you, you'd be at a gig and there'd be like bands would just come up to you and they'd, they'd have their tape like you know a new band would come up to you like four or sixteen year old kids and they'd be like nervously kind of coming up to you you knew they were coming like ten minutes before they come because they keep looking over <laughs> then they come over and mutter a few words and then they pull out the tape and then give you the tape and sometimes I'd go home from gigs and there'd be like ten tapes in my pocket. <laughs> just have all these tapes and like and then they wouldn't have any phone numbers on them or anything they would oh. have like just they give off really vital information like how do you even contact this band no, or not even a name sometimes oh, well, great. Yeah, brilliant oh well i've thoroughly enjoyed this interview this has been probably my favorite one yet <laughs> And that brings us to the end of this episode of the Met Blue podcast. We've been chatting to John Dunn of Parallel Lines Promotions and you can find them at Parallel Lines Promotions on Instagram. And have your say in the next Met Blue podcast episode. You can contact us at metropolis.blue on Insta or you can email us at metbluprteam at acm.ac.uk. We hope you enjoyed listening and we'll catch you next time.